Father, we just honor you. We thank you, Lord. All gifts come from you. You're a great God. You want us to do our best, and you know there's more that you have for us. We want to just keep learning, keep growing. We want to be great men of God. We want to rise as kings and stand up fully into all you've called us to in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on, let's give the Lord a clap again, shall we? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, here we are, last session, and uh, thank you uh, very much also, Bryden, for the work you've done to make it happen and getting around and sorting guys. Thank you, Sergeant, for all you've done to get everything organized, and appreciate you stand behind the scene. Often we don't know what goes on, but you make it all come together, and appreciate that team that's done all the, the uh, afternoon teas. Glad the good, good men's food there. Pastry and meat. <laughs> Great stuff. Thank you, Horowai. Uh, it's always a challenge. Just give him a clap and appreciate him doing the sound. <laughs> You're kind of in the meeting, but not in the meeting. So afterwards, guys, go up to him and make sure you kind of make him really welcome and so on. <laughs> okay, I want to do this last session. I want to just talk about enlarging your territory. So I've tried to get us just to think, just to get the thinking moving. Because as a man thinks in his heart, that's how he lives his life. You are a king. You are a servant king, so you're called to serve Jesus Christ, to represent him on the earth. But as a king, you have a territory. Within that territory, you must govern it spiritually, and you must influence it by entering into the territory and working to produce fruit and labor in that area. Also, because we're a king, we have conflicts to face in our territory. So we've always got areas that there are conflicts, battles, something we have to address and, and to work or work through. And we identified the various aspects of our territory, what they are, and what our responsibility is. So in this session, I want to talk about enlarging your territory. In Ephesians 3 verse 20, it says, God is able to do more abundantly than we ask or think. So God can do more. The problem is in the thinking and in the asking. So our mentality. So maybe the, the, the dilemma we find is, as life goes on is you settle. You settle for what you have rather than saying, I want more. And it's always a problem when we settle, because then you lose, like David, the, when David settled in Jerusalem, it was a time when kings went out to war, he should have been going out to a fight, he stayed in Jerusalem, he settled down, and in the end, he ended up with a major moral sin in his life. So kings are not to settle down, kings are looking for new opportunities, enlargement of territories, expansion, because we're part of a kingdom that God is wanting to expand. Uh, uh, there's a scripture, a couple of scriptures, just to show you. So I want to just look at some of the keys then for enlargement. The first one, obviously, is desire. You must want enlargement. Not everyone wants it, but you must want enlargement. You must desire it. In, uh, in, in uh, Joshua chapter 18 and verse 14, Caleb has come into the land, and now he says, what you've given me, it's not enough. I like that. He said, I see all this territory we've got. It's not enough. We need more. And so there was a desire in his heart. He asked for more. He got more as well. Interesting, that same spirit was on his daughter because his daughter rose up and said, it's not right that because there's no sons in the house, there's only daughters, we don't get the inheritance. I believe that this should be adjusted. And so she rose up and she got the whole of the law changed about inheritance. Who benefited? She did benefit, but everyone else did as well. So when you benefit, there are others who are going to benefit as well. And uh, so desire, in 1 Chronicles 4 verse 10, there's a man called Jabez, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. 
And the Bible says he's more honorable than others. Well, what made him more honorable? Because he had this desire to expand and to grow. Desire for enlargement, and he sought God to enlarge him and for God's hand to come upon him. And it's interesting, you've got this whole genealogy, you've got one guy, it's like the, there's a list, so and so begets, so and so begets, and you kind of look at all these things, and suddenly, stop! Jabez was more honorable than all his brothers. Even though he was born in sorrow, yet his prayer, he cried to the Lord, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory and keep me from evil. And God was delighted in his prayer and answered the prayer, and he got enlargement. There's a whole city he had in the end. So the first key to any kind of enlargement is you've got to want to change. You've got to want to enlarge. And enlargement comes through, uh, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, came through dispossessing the inhabitants of the land. In other words, God had things to enlarge us into, but they had to fight to get it. And so there's always a fight, there's always a battle. Always on. This, this, some of the stuff is quite simple, but I want to end up in a prayer strategy to get you pushing in prayer, then we'll end up praying together and so on. So enlarging your territory means enlarging your influence in a whole number of areas. It may be just uh, mentally enlarging, so you think bigger, because some people don't think very big at all. Uh, it may be an attitude enlargement. It may be spiritual enlargement. It may be, uh, we're just looking at a personal level, it may be just in the area of your emotionals, an enlargement and a breaking out of where you've been. So you're able to express and feel and, and, uh, and uh, be more emotional than you've been. So it could be that area. It could be the area of your marriage, an enlargement in your marriage, uh, in the connection, the way you relate to your wife, what's happening in the marriage, uh, a resolution of old issues, a, a building of new intimacy and new friendship. Uh, it can be in the area of your finances, the financial enlargement increase. So whatever it is, but also it should include that we want to increase our influence and see souls come to Christ. See, see, the kingdom of God advances one soul at a time. So we do want to see souls come to Christ. This is the heart of God, to see people saved. So increasing your territory, always, no matter what it may mean for you, one thing it must mean is souls get saved. People come to Christ. People are saved out of the bondage, out of the hole, out of the, the terrible place they're in. And so number one is desire. Number two, you need to think it through. You need to come up with a plan or think about and get some clarity around what it is you're wanting to be enlarged in. So it helps to write it down. Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So your life is built by thoughts. What you think day by day will actually build your life. You think negative thoughts, your life stays small. Think uh, the godly thoughts, God-given thoughts, your life grows and expands. Uh, your life is also built uh, as you continue to think in a certain way. Think prospering. Think, and so that's why the Bible plays a huge emphasis on renewing how you think and taking the Word of God, begin to meditate in it. And as I take that Word, begin to hold it, begin to picture it, begin to feel what it's like, speak it over my life and meditate in the Word of God. Joshua was told, if you meditate in the Word of God, Joshua 1.8, meditate in it, speak it out of your mouth, and walk to do it, you will make your own way prosperous and successful. So there's a crucial part there in the whole play of our thinking. And part of your thinking is to think, well, what is it going to look like? What, what do I want my marriage to look like? What, try to get it specific. What are the specific changes I want? Financially, what should it look like? Try to get it clear, to get a picture of it. Imagine it and try to get, think think detail. So I'm not always the best at that, but I, I like to think about it to see what it could be. Then it's a matter of getting the details, because until you've got the thinking about it right, you'll never move towards it. Most things work when you've got some kind of plan. So he needed, uh, he needed God 
uh, to enlarge him. Uh, Jabez needed God to enlarge him. But he's quite clear what he wanted. This territory is too small. I want more. So we need to think through what is it going to look like? What changes need to take place? Uh, interesting with Gideon, uh, when it came to the thinking area, when God said, you're a king and I have a mission for you, his first thing was to argue with God. He just argued and argued with God. Actually, Moses did the same thing. When Moses was called by God, he just came up with about six or seven different arguments till in the end, God said to him virtually, you're ticking me off. Just shut up, will you? And go do what I've told you to do. You know? and, uh, it, but it did. God got annoyed with him because he just kept coming up. And what's happening is his mind was reasoning away the enlargement of his life that God wanted to bring. So I wonder how many of us here you have reasoned away at some point the bigger things that God wanted to do. Or simply, maybe you put it like this, you had an idea or a dream, but negative thinking and painful experiences caused you just to shut the dream down. You never, ever went to it. So we must want to, first of all. And second, we must think about it and plan and have some kind of... And the third thing is to write it down helps to write things down. I like to write things down. I get it clear when I can write it down. I'm a list person. I like to keep lists. Otherwise, I can't trust my memory at all. So write it down. Habakkuk says, chapter 2, he said, I stood on the, uh, on the, uh, in the prayer watchtower to see what the Lord would say for me. In other words, he, he positioned himself in prayer so he could catch the vision of God. I said, I see what the Lord would say. Well, when someone says something, you hear it. But he said, in coming to God, he says, I'll see what the Lord will say. So hearing from God or getting vision or enlargement in our life, it's, an, it's impressions, it's pictures, it's things that God gives you by way of an impression or picture, spontaneous picture. But write it down. Get some, something down. Keep a journal. What will it look like? And when you write it down, you can clear, clarify your thoughts about it. So if you were thinking about some kind of vision or something you're doing, uh, I suppose some of the questions are something like this. What will it take to get there? What will, what will you have to do to get yourself there? What steps will you need to take? If you don't work that part out, you've just got a dream. You're a dreamer. Uh, uh, what will you need to learn any new skills? So, for example, if, if uh, you feel maybe God, I really feel in the stir, I want to win souls, but you haven't got a clue how to talk to anyone about Christ, you need to grow in skill. You need to learn some new things. Or if you haven't got a clue what the gospel message is, which of how many Christians have, they don't know what the gospel message is. They say, could you give me the gospel message? We got. In fact, actually, I heard there was one test they had for um, that they sprung on some guys who were hoping to be chaplains in the American Army. And uh, they just, uh, they, they said this. I want you to visualize this situation, how you'd respond. You've got two minutes to respond. And then the clock's up. And this was the situation they put. You've come next to a guy on the battlefield and he's dying. What will you say to him? And they had two minutes. What can you say in two minutes to solve the issue of eternity for a man? And many were just eliminated at, ex at that point because they were not clear enough in their own mind what the gospel message is. And a man is dying, got two minutes to live. What will you tell him? I like what you said. It's good. Great stuff. Laid it real simple, real clear. And here's the choice. I want you to respond. And so those that responded, those that could actually answer that, two minutes. You've got two minutes to tell a person an important message of why they should be saved. And they need to be saved. They give them the gospel in two minutes. I was with, um, uh, I was in, uh, I can't remember, Taipei. I got out of a lift, went to a full gospel business meeting. Guy picked me up, 
I got me into the van, started to talk. As soon as he got me into the van, within three minutes, I had heard his testimony about Christ. Just three minutes. It was like that. He said, oh, I've got a two-minute one for a lift. I've got a five-minute one for a car or, a, or a just sitting there someone. And I've got a 15-minute one if I get a chance to speak. I've got it all worked out. So I've got it. I know my testimony. And I know straight away how to bring someone to Christ. So, you know, perhaps there are skills to learn if you want to go. So suppose you want to grow in your financial area. You just need to learn some skills. A lot of people can't even make a budget. They can't manage their money. Uh, they've got dreams, but they can't make it happen. I can think of a man uh, that we helped as a church into business at one point uh, because, uh, you know, he had potential, great potential. But he had this problem. He could never, he could never visualize that this much money that came in already, this much was accounted for, and so the, 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 the balance was the bit between the two. So what you had free to spend was the bit between the two. He could only see if there was a big pile of money in the bank, there was a big pile of money in the bank, I got plenty of money. He couldn't see that the big pile of money in the bank was also accompanied by a whole list of things he would have to pay, and actually the big pile when they were all paid was now a very little pile, and he was actually operating near the edge. But because the amount of money being involved was big, it, he had the appearance of it all being big. He did not develop the skill or capacity to manage it, and eventually we had to let him go, and he went bankrupt. Um, and we just couldn't continue to uh, work with him when he would not adjust on an issue like that. So what skills do you have to learn? Here's another thing. Do I need people to help me? What people do I need to help me get where I'm going to get? People ask the strangest people for help. You want to ask someone to help you. You want someone who's successful. And successful means they don't tell you they're successful. <laughs> it means they've actually got success, and it's evident. See, a lot of people tell you all kinds of stuff, but what you really need is someone who actually has got a track record where they've been able to break through consistently, show a track record over a period of time in an area that they have developed success in that area, and it's shown by fruit in that area. Fruit, success is not talk. Success is actually fruit. You know, you can talk about your trees and the fruit, but if the bring me the bucket of fruit. <laughs> Let me see the fruit. And so uh, we've got to realize that not everyone can help you. A lot of people think they can, but... You do want, at times, advice or support or uh, help or guidance from someone who can help you move from where you are to where you need to be. And we should all be willing to ask for that, but don't just ask from everyone. Try to find someone who can actually help you and has the same spiritual framework with you, uh, preferably. Okay, and then what habits do you need to develop? Sometimes, uh, in order for us to grow, we need to develop habits. If you want to enlarge your territory, you've got to develop habits. Now, habits require discipline. A lot of people don't realize that uh, much of success in, in many things requires a huge amount of discipline in your life. So, for example, you, you have some desires about ministry. You must develop the disciplines of a daily time with God and daily time in the Word. There's a number of disciplines you develop in order that you can cultivate the kind of relationship with God that will give you something to give to others. See, ministry is not about going to a Bible study. Heaps of people go to Bible school. They still can't do anything much. In fact, they went to Bible school because they couldn't do much. Thought then they could do something. It, it, Bible school itself isn't the answer. It's actually what you build in your life day by day. So uh, you find, uh, you know, like you see someone like Sargent. Sargent's had a, a track record of faith. In other words, he may not say very much about it, but if you, if you check his life out and talk and ask questions, you'll find he has lived by faith, lived that way and gone through adversity where faith was tested and faith was strong in his life in some areas. 
So if you want to grow in faith in areas, say, for example, of provision or areas of, uh, of uh, God giving you breakthroughs, he's a great man to talk to because he has a track record established over many years going through hardship, difficulty, opposition, pressures, setbacks, and here he is, and he has got faith in his heart, developed over a period of time. It, it just, you, you, it, these things, you, you actually have to build them in your life, one day at a time, one choice at a time, one thought at a time. So all enlargement of any area in your life, there is an aspect of discipline that's around it. So while today we've been focusing on the kingly aspect of prayer and declarations and so on, we'll end up that way, uh, you do need to understand that there are very practical dimensions of having your desires clear, having them before the Lord to see whether they're His desires, having a, a plan or something laid out, your thoughts laid out, having an idea of some of the things you'll need to get where you're going to get. It just doesn't happen otherwise. And uh, all of us need that. And then you need to learn to speak it out. You need to speak it out. We've got to learn to speak what God is saying. Now, Richard, Richard is... Richard was telling me great testimony. Is Richard still here? Yeah, there, over there. Richard was telling me, uh, you know, there's a financial pressure and stress at the moment, but he'd been in a place of prayer, and he began to declare to his uh, some of the key people around him, he's saying that money will come. And they say, how can you be so confident? I'm telling you, money will come in. And, uh, and he was declaring it, and he had a client that was owing a substantial amount of money and was very difficult about And God gave him wisdom how to handle the client, and would you believe it, money came, thousands of dollars. But you notice there was a, he, he did his part, he did the work behind the scenes, but there was a strong declarative aspect over it, speaking, and you have to learn to speak stuff, speak and declare, speak and declare, speak and declare. James 3 tells us, your tongue is like a rudder, it steers your life. Now here's where a lot of people fall over. A, a boat which keeps changing direction will go all over the place and never go forward. So You've got to watch that if, you're, if you've set a plan of where you're going, keep speaking consistent with where you're going. Don't one day be saying, I'm doing this, and then the next day, oh, I don't know whether it's going to work. You've got to keep your confession consistent. Confession for a person of faith, you know, it's like birds and flying, faith and confession. That's how it works. You know, fish and water, faith and confession. This is the language of how faith works. You actually got to speak stuff out. And as you learn to speak stuff out, make declarations, speak God's word, speak your destiny, you actually begin to call into being from the realm of the spirit the circumstances to realign so it comes about. Interesting, when people speak negatively, they attract in what they're thinking and speaking. When you think positively, think God's word, you attract in the things that you're looking for. Uh, there was a search done by a lady by Patricia Leith. She said that your thoughts occupy space in your head. So when you have negative thoughts, they look like thorny trees. When you have positive thoughts of any kind, they look like a different kind. It's quite a beautiful tree. Quite interesting, isn't it? Anyway, think. You've got to speak. Speak some words out. So speak words out. Line your words with your vision so it's all going. Speak out words of blessing over people and circumstances. So daily, I bless this person. I bless my wife. I bless my children. I bless the staff. I speak and declare that the growth will take place. You've got to call things into being. Call things into being. Speak it out. Here's the next thing you need to do, and that is what, uh, the final one here is you've got to take action. You've got to actually do something. So no dream ever comes about without doing something. You have to, have to do something. So there's a number of things to put into place. In order to get it. So if you want marriage to improve, don't just pray about it. You will have to do something. But the first place to start is with prayer. 
So your perspective is right, your heart comes right, and you build with God the future you want. Then write it down, put some steps to it, get whatever help you need, and start to do something, and just do it consistently, regularly, until it all shifts. Exodus 23.30, little by little by little by little by little. Just little things. Is there something I need to do? Is there some kind of uh, issue I need to address? Is there a boundary I need to set? Are there steps I need to take? What is it to get me forward? And so God expects you to do something. What I found with God is he may not tell you at all and you may not have it worked out, but if you will trust him, it's amazing when you step out what he does. And there's something about faith that pulls answers into the world that weren't there before. It's the most extraordinary thing to see it happening. And uh, we never had, you know, when we did the building here, we never had the money. So if you wait and you got the money, we'd never have had the building. We just didn't have the building. We didn't have the money. But we had the vision, the dream, a word from God. And so we just took the steps forward. And what happened was gradually money started to come to it. We weren't foolish about it or extend too far. It was reasonable step of risk and faith that God came. So these are the things. So And finally, you need a prayer strategy to govern and enlarge your territory. You need a prayer strategy. So I want to finish now and then get you all up praying, and then we'll all be able to... Uh, an early exit tonight, it'll be great. So I want to talk about a prayer strategy for governance. In other words, we're looking as a king how to step up in a kingly way and to begin to assert pressure in the spirit so things begin to start to come out of heaven and into the earth. And it, it, you have to do it consistently. You have to actually engage with your heart, with your spirit, with your mind. Every part of you needs to get involved in it. I want to share with you very simply some things you can do. Uh, number one, personally arise in your spirit. You must arise in your spirit. And praying strongly in tongues is a way of arising in your spirit. Praying strongly in tongues, 1 Corinthians 14, 14, you energize your spirit with life. So learn how to activate your body, shake your body so your body doesn't hold you back. Stir your spirit, man, so there's life and fire. You are joined one spirit with the Lord. So when your spirit begins to arise, then the anointing inside you flows. The Bible says that the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, lightening up his life. So your spirit will give ideas to your mind. So if you're passive, shut down, heavy, lazy, tired, disconnected, there's no flow of creativity and ideas from your spirit. So I found just get up, I get up, walk, move, move my body, get praying in tongues until my head clears and the life of God is flowing. Learn to practice doing that. So we'll just do finish, finish up practicing that today. Second thing is strong praise and thanksgiving. We must learn to build atmospheres of gratitude, thanksgiving, praise around our life. You've got to speak into the atmosphere things that make something happen. For example, the Bible says in Psalm 8, it says, you have shut down the activity of the devil out of the mouths of infants through praise. So when we speak and praise and honor God, it silences a lot of demonic activity. What are we talking about there? Accusations, judgments, condemnations, negative thoughts, all that kind of stuff. It's actually a barrage you get around your head. I get it around me too. Sometimes when I just step up and begin to praise the Father, I come to you today boldly. I come to thank you and bless you and praise you. And I let my whole heart rise up inside. After a little while, the whole atmosphere shifts. And, there's a, and then you start to feel, engage the presence of God. So strong praise and thanksgiving. Here's the second thing is, you know, whatever the territory is, whatever it is that you want to enlarge, you must hold it in your heart with love. You have to hold it in your heart with love. 
you can't build something that you don't like. <laughs> That's why Jesus said to pray for your enemies. Why? Because if you pray for them in the end, you'll start to love them. You'll shift in your heart attitude. But if you pray for them and you don't love them, you'll be able to tell because your prayers will be as flat as a pancake. That's, that's why you pray. It just keeps your heart free. So in Philippians 1, it says, I know that God is moving in your lives, and I know he's moving among you. Continue to bring you to maturity because, because I hold you in my heart. So Paul put a connection between holding people in his heart that were in his territory and God working on their lives. He connected having a right attitude of heart holding them in in love in his prayer actually made room for God to move on their life. So think about this. Many parents let their kids slip out of their heart because they get offended by them. Teenagers can be very difficult. You get angry, get offended, and withdraw in your heart. Now the child is cut loose. But if you don't let them go, if you just hold them in your heart with gratitude, thanks, and prayer, and hold them in a place of love, you're making room for the Spirit of God to move on their life. If you get offended and let go, you can pray all your life. It's not going to do too much because you're not flowing out of a spirit of love. So start to think about areas. Now, say you've got major issues with your wife, start to pray with her. The first thing will come up is what's in your heart, not what's in her. So that's why I say you've got to wrap your arms around and see the person and hold on to them and wrap your Now, that's not easy to do with people who are difficult or people with their problems. But now you've got your business or you're going into, you've got a tough employee or you're going to your workplace and now you've got this rotten boss. Well, here's the issue. Can you reach around in your heart and grab him in the spirit and hold on to him with love? If you can't do that, you're the one with the issue. Get over yourself, get over the issue, start to deal with it. This is, you've got to do it because we want him to operate in the spirit. This is how spirit stuff happens. If you try praying for him and you've got issues in your heart, hey, believe me, it's not going to work. You're the one with the problem initially. Shift your problem and then you govern yourself. Then you can govern the atmosphere and govern and bring room for God to move in the business place. You must love it. So if you've got offenses, hurts, disappointments, you will withdraw in your heart. You won't love it. Your prayer life isn't very effective because the bottom line is this. You actually are refusing to take ownership and responsibility for something to happen. That's the hard one. So prayer automatically pushes you to deal with your heart so you can honestly say you love. That's why sometimes with some things I've got to start by blessing them and forgiving them and releasing them and opening my heart and holding them and say, God, I love this person, release your hand. Now, if there's people I'm going to have nothing to do with in the future, I can bless them and release them. But if there are people that actually are in my territory, like my family, children, wife, spouse, people around, staff, and whatever, then that's so I hold on to them and don't let go because of any kind of difficulties that have arisen. And so, you, so what this does is it pushes you in your prayer life to examine your heart, whether love is flowing or whether you're really actually in a reactionary mode. I found many guys, when they get to pray for their workplace, had, had a young man come to me and say, I got real, I'm really ticked off. I hate my job. I want out of my job. This is a while back. I said, is that right? What's the problem with your job? He told me. He said, the problem is in you. It's in your attitude. You need to address it. So I got him to address it. We showed him how to stand up and pray in his business place. Within a short while, everything changed. He got promoted, got shifted in what he was doing, was doing something different. Then he had troubles again. Uh, came up a little bit later. I said, what's the problem? And he said, well, uh, I, you know, I'm in a bank and, I, and I'm, trying to, I'm told by the boss to encourage people to take out loans. But personally, I've come to the conviction this is not the best thing to do. 
conflict. I'm in conflict in my job between a godly priority and actually what the bankers require me to do. I said, probably it's time to ask God for a different job because you're in conflict in your conscience now. And so he didn't God open up a different door and it was a better door. See, so, so initially there's the whole deal of really I must arise in my spirit, not be passive or subdued or upset. I need to actually praise God so I'm in a place of knee here. Then I need to hold whatever got in my heart. And now the next thing I need to do, holding what's already in my heart, uh, is this. I need to be open to the Holy Spirit as I begin to pray in tongues for what he wants to show me. He may show me stuff. The thing is, God will show you stuff that's going on. And uh, then begin to speak into your territory. Now you have to speak. So what I did when I was in the classroom, God said this. He just said, I want you to pray in tongues over the uh, seats. I want you to forbid the operations of demons racking the kids up. And I want you to speak peace into this place so people can learn. Because if it's peaceful, they can learn. If it's in turmoil, they can't learn. And this is a learning environment. So I did that. So every day I go and pray in tongues. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord. This area is my domain. I take authority over every spirit operating in this area. I tell you now, in Jesus' name, I forbid your operation. I forbid your operation against any student. I forbid you to disturb this house. I decree peace into this room. I pray in tongues, go around all the time. Now, over a period of time, took a little while, I totally altered the atmosphere there. And it became a peaceful room and productivity became high. Now, it was just a very simple example of subduing what was a problem, even though I couldn't see it, and decreeing what would be and what God wanted in that place. Now, when you first start to do it, it's a bit of a problem because you feel weird doing it. And, and for me, as a science physics teacher, doing that was a nonsense, really. But however, in those days, I was more committed to a bit doing weird things. And, uh, and uh, so we tried all kinds of stuff. So you need to learn how to speak into it to subdue spirit power. You've got to speak to them. Now, I have done this in many situations. I've got men to step up because they, their whole life, uh, when men get full of rejection, they shut down and become passive in the marriage and won't take responsibility. They usually marriage a wo- uh, marry a woman who's quite strong and uh, insecure and, uh, and wants to be in charge. And so they feel quite good because this fits me well. I don't have to worry about too much. He's going to run everything now. And then you get this unhealthy thing in the marriage where the wife has got the full weight of responsibility the man hasn't, and then he can't get out of that dynamic. So the best way to deal with it is to get to deal with the spirits that are behind it. So I get a man to step up as the head of this home. I speak into the spirit world, take dominion back. I stand right now. Now, a man may have to repent. Lord, I forgive me. Lord, forgive me. I've been passive. I have failed to take responsibility. I've allowed things to fall on my wife. Either forgive me for not responding and acting properly as a husband. Now I stand up in Jesus' name and speak to the spirit world. I stand as the head of this household now. I forbid your operations against me, against my wife, against our marriage, against our children. I forbid you right now in Jesus' name. I bind your operations. I speak divine order and life and blessing into this, into this marriage relationship. Now when you do that, as you start to do anything like this in the area of warfare, whether you're praying for souls, praying for your business, praying for your marriage, praying into any kind of area, what will happen initially is a number of responses. Uh, 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 the last thing I'd perhaps do is I begin to speak and pray in tongues and speak and declare God's will into that area or confess the word of God into it. So arise in your spirit, come near to the Lord with praise and thanksgiving, hold this area in your heart, be sensitive to the Holy Ghost, take dominion over whatever's in there, binding and forbidding its operation, then speak and declare God's blessing and word into that situation. 
Now, what, what I have noticed happen, and it's happened so consistently the same way, I know it's, it's, it's kind of reliable it's going to happen. So uh, this is what can happen. Initially, some resistance may happen. Now, it may take several forms. The first form is nothing whatsoever. And all you have is this overwhelming feeling, what a waste of time this is. Like there's nothing going on. This is absolute nonsense. And your whole head gets full of, what, what a waste. This is ridiculous. You don't feel God. I don't feel anything. There's just nothing. And you say, you just think, this is ridiculous. I'm wasting my time. Who told me to do this anyway? And, uh, and you stop doing it. That's, that's resistance number one, is just sowing of doubt into your mind. Then uh, uh, the resistance number two comes a different way. Resistance number two comes where you have immediate spiritual reaction personally against yourself. You suddenly find you get sick, you get heavy, you get confused, you get disheartened. After three days, you can't keep it up, you fall over. I've had all of above. All of above at various times. It's just what happened. And it's just a spirit reacting to you, and you've got to determine even more, I'm going to keep this up, something's happening. A third way of, uh, aspect of resistance is this, is you have a major turmoil and conflict erupt in the area that you're praying into. And it did not get better. It all got worse, very worse. And uh, I know that's not very good English, but it actually gets really not very nice. And that's quite common for that to happen. What it ensures then is you have now engaged the spirit power. It's fighting all it can. And the issue is, who will stand the longest? And one young guy got into prayer, and he was complaining to me about a particular uh, line that he was working on, and uh, they changed the boss, and now productivity had gone down. The thing was uh, messy. Everyone was unhappy. Morale was low. Productivity was low. Mistakes were high. Uh, the whole efficiency had gone right off. And I said, well, uh, what are you going to do about it? And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, you're a kingdom man, you're a Christian, you're called to do something about it. He said, what can I do? Now, that's what most Christians think. Because he thought, because he's not the boss, he can't change it. I said, that's not true. The boss is only a position, it's a role, it's a function, that's all. And I said, here's the deal, this man is creating some problems. I said, has it just been since he's been with you? He said, yes. I said, it sounds to me like there's some uh, cultic roots or Masonic Lodge roots, there's some kind of spiritual roots around his life. Uh, and he said, yeah, I think there are actually in that kind of area. I think he's quite open to that area. I said, well, here it's your job to shut down all demonic operations in this area. You don't have to tell him what to do or try to run it or criticize him in any way. In fact, you need to keep a good attitude to him. What you do need to do is shut down the demonic operations. So I got him into prayer. showed him how to get up and stand and pray. The kingdom ambassador is a representative of the king of kings to start to speak and decree and shut down all demonic operations that are producing turmoil, uh, the morale failure, the uh, lack of productivity. I said, this is not doing your boss any good. You're there to do your boss good. So you want to deal with this stuff for him. You don't have to tell him what you're dealing with. Just go deal with it. So he got in there and prayed. So I saw him the next day. I told him that on Sunday. I said, Monday said, how's it going? He said, shocking. We had the worst day we've ever had. I said, oh, I said, you can't tell me tomorrow then. Tuesday was bad. So he had three days that were just a nightmare when everything went wrong and it was very, very bad. I said, well, just keep going. Keep going 21 days. And so he went about day 10. Suddenly it all shifted. It all shifted. The atmosphere changed. Everything began to shift. And the management changed the boss. They put it, and, and, and there was a promotion, which he got. And the whole of the line just shifted. The, 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 the failures started to diminish. So productivity went up and started to become very, very good. It just shifted because of prayer. It shifted because of prayer. It shifted because he acted like a king to deal with the demonic and clear it so everyone could have a happier life. Now, it didn't mean to say that everyone was saved at that point. All he did was just shift the spiritual atmosphere so there was room for other things to happen. 
I've seen that happen in marriages. I remember talking to one guy, I got him to pray, asked him the following week how he's doing. He said, oh, it's hopeless, doesn't work at all. I said, why is that? He said, oh, it got so bad, I just gave up. It's ridiculous. It got worse. I said, well, that means you're in a fight. Why don't you fight the fight and win the fight? So he didn't realize that when he stood against the spiritual pressure that was coming from the spirit world, it would manifest in both his wife and him and surface the issues that they were being manipulated through for them to be able to face and resolve. I said, now's your time to actually look at what's going on. Stay in the place of prayer, but as a king, you must learn now how to come as a servant king. You stood up to govern the atmosphere, now come as a servant to your wife and find out what issues you both need to address in order to bring the marriage forward. Now they could come out, they can be more in the open, but anyway, you need to deal with your own stuff. And so he did that, so eventually he did that. I've had a number of people do that. Uh, there have been times I've deliberately stood up and started to engage the spirit world and push, and it always creates some problems for me, but it always shifts and becomes better afterwards. The thing is whether you've just got the nerve to hang in there. A lot of guys don't have the nerve to hang in there. Hence, my last point is if you're going to go to war, you need to have other men standing with you. Sometimes it just gets a bit tough. So you maybe have a difficult teenager and you start to really get into prayer. Um, believe me, it can get very messy before it gets better. And what can happen is you begin to start to pray. You stand up in your role. You start to break the witchcraft operation that's taking place through the funny relational dynamics. You start to clean the air of that demonic activity. And what happens is you release God to move. Stuff surfaces up that you can deal with which are usually hard attitudes, hard relationships, offenses, issues that require repentance and humility. So as a king, you stand up and war against the demons and absolutely subdue them and give clarity of direction to where you want it to go. Then as a servant king, you come and love people and serve people and help people and work into ministering to the needs in their life. They'll work in evangelism too. Many times in evangelism, you're stuck because people hear it, but they don't hear it. Or they hear it and say yes, but then they don't. There's no follow through. They don't see the follow up. So get into strong prayer, and then, and that's you take dominion in prayer. That's very assertive, very aggressive. But then, as a uh, as a uh, as the servant king, you're now coming to serve and minister to needs and help people connect with their heart. You can do it. I know you can do it. You got it in you. You're born to do it. That's what Jesus did. He stood up in prayer. You know, he had 40 days prayer and fasting. We know they had, and it says he returned in power of the Spirit after prayer and fasting. Here's notice what he did. The first meeting place he went into, they started saying how nice he was. They ended up dragging him out of the city, taking him up to a hill, and everyone in the church wanted to kill him. Why would it be like that? He stirred up something that affected all of them. He just addressed the most obvious thing was that God likes people other than the Jews. That was what got them. That's what really got them. And he gave two practical examples of it, and it really got them infuriated. So there was a spirit ruled the whole of the synagogue. But here's the thing. Here's the thing that's, that gives you great hope. When they had him right at the top of the cliff ready to throw him off, he just vanished from among them. So when we get in the spirit, you may have problems come up, but God will help you get through them. He'll always help you get through them. Jesus racked up problems all over the place. He, people, it says, wherever he went, the people, it says this, you read how many times it says in the Bible, it says, and they were divided because of him. They were divided because of him. Some said one thing, some said another thing. It's not that you go about seeking division, but it's just when you advance the kingdom, it actually tends to stir stuff up a little bit. So let's rise up as kings.
Let's stand in our place. When we come out of our places where we are now, let's just come to the front, and I want us just to lead us in prayer. We're going to pray together strongly for just a little bit, and going to stir and rack up in prayer, and I'll just guide you through some activations. It won't take us very long, and we'll all be finished before six. So come on, let's just come on out. We'll get musicians to come up as well. be great. be wonderful. Got the better one. Ah, that's the better one. There we go. Praise the Lord. Come on, let's come on out of our seats now. Just begin to shake your body around. Start loosening your body up. I know you're hungry. You're tired. You've done great this afternoon. Been very attentive, very responsive. God is with us. God is helping us. So come on, let's begin to move a body. Start to loosen up now. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So first thing to do, loosen up your body. That's right. Just loosen up your body. Shake it. So just get energizes again. Then let's get praying in tongues. Come on, let's pray in tongues. One minute strong praying in tongues. Come on, everyone praying. Everyone speaking in tongues. Everyone stirring your spirit, man. Come on, let your spirit be stirred up. Hallelujah, Lord. Come on, let's give the Lord a shout now. One, two, three. Let's shout to Him now. Hallelujah. I want to give you three little exercises, 30 seconds each. I want you, as we do them, to just feel the sensations that happen as you do them. When a person prays in an unknown tongue, their spirit is praying, 1 Corinthians 14, 14. And when you speak an unknown tongue, you build up yourself. So I want to want you to do this time for 30 seconds, or just time it, 30 seconds, pray strongly as you, tell, as you can, speaking into your spirit the words of God, words of life. Begin to consciously speak and allow your spirit to arise and become strong as you speak the word of God. Come on, let's do it. 30 seconds. Ready? One, two, three. Let's pray strongly. Okay, let's just stop now. 30 seconds now. I want you as you speak to focus your attention on Jesus Christ. He is the King of Kings. He is King over many kings. He's Lord over many lords. And we want to rise in our spirit. And as we pray, we're going to bless Him and thank Him. We're going to speak in English, speak in tongues. Let the flow come to Him for about 30 seconds, praising Him and thanking Him. Come on, are we ready? One, two, three. Shiva <laughs> 
Hallelujah, Lord. Okay. Next 30 seconds, I want you just to think about your territory. The Bible says we speak in an unknown tongue. We speak both the mysteries of God. In other words, we're speaking as the Holy Ghost gives us the words. But I want you just to stand tall inside. Begin to look over the territory God's given you. Perhaps it's your life, it's your marriage, it's your family. Perhaps it's your finances, it's your workplace, it's a ministry area, or it's a neighborhood, it's people who don't know Christ. Choose one of those areas and rise up and begin to, as you're speaking out, speak God's word out over that situation. You may declare blessing over it, may go in and out of English and tongues. The Bible says to do that. But just keep your mind focused on just one area that you are speaking and decreeing and calling forth the Word of God in it. We ready? Okay, then. One, two, three. seconds a very short time but as you pray and learn to pray like that you learn to listen to what's going on in your heart and start to pray out and you find you start to speak declare things and you may start to see things you hadn't seen before become aware of a problem aware of something happening there thought comes to mind you start to become conscious of an issue to face you jot these things down because in the spirit like that God gives you many things Okay, why don't we just in this last moment now begin to lift our voice for souls to be saved. For within our sphere of influence, within your territory, there are unsaved people waiting for the King to arise, waiting for you to arise in your spirit, to subdue whatever spirits are there and practically engage them with kindness, with words, with love to reach them for Jesus Christ. They are waiting for a king to set them free, to come to them and proclaim the gospel and open the darkness of their prison. It says people sat in prison, then he sent his word and healed them. They sat in darkness in prison. So I don't know who you've got in your mind. Let the Spirit of God put people in your mind to pray for. And let's just rise up now as we finish up just with intercessory prayer for people to be saved in our territories. We lift our city before you. We lift our region before you. God, move mightily by your spirit. Move mightily and touch men. Move mightily and touch families. Father, we call souls to Christ. 
We call sinners to come to Christ. We call the kings to arise with boldness. Then kings arise with great boldness. Arise, begin to invade their territory, setting the captives free. In Jesus' mighty name, Shabbat Shalom, 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 Shalom,